Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 38. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. Dave, it was pretty calm throughout most of yesterday. Had the Mike Tomlin press conference, of course, on Tuesday, and then a lot of stuff happening late Tuesday night. A quarterback shuffle, you could call it, from Josiah Scott earlier in the day to Desmond King to Darius Rush to give us a lot to talk about today. Yeah, we uh we you never know which way these things are going to go, especially on a bye coming out of a bye week on a Wednesday, uh but we have uh a lot to talk about today for sure. All right, let's dive on in. Let's just start with the cornerback news because that is the uh I think the most pertinent and pressing part of the uh the Steelers calendar right now. The most minor of news there is that cornerback Josiah Scott was signed off the reportedly at least signed off the Steelers practice squad by the Philadelphia Eagles. Scott played for the Eagles last season. Uh, a little curious, though, he was on the Steelers practice squad IR list, apparently healthy now, and I didn't know you could sign uh, practice squad IR players for, uh, by another team, And but apparently that that is the case there. So um, Scott did not technically count against Pittsburgh's practice squad, but now he is back to being an Eagle. Yes, he is. And that's kind of one of those things that you don't see very often. Uh, I had to go back and see if I recall that ever happening before. Uh, I wonder if uh, he had to be close to uh, obviously being healthy and and all like that. But, uh, you know, it it, it still is a practice squad designation, even though he's on an injured reserve list. Uh, Had it been obviously a straight reserve injured list uh you couldn't sign him off all all, you know off of that but i guess the practice squad uh reserve injured list has a little bit different rules and he was he's been on there i think what a couple of weeks now so Mm -hmm. uh it's just one of those things that you don't see very often but he does have kind of links back to uh the eagles there and uh off he goes yeah, off he goes. Now, obviously, it's not going to really critically impact the Pittsburgh Steelers. Scott did not appear in a game for Pittsburgh, was not ever part of the 53-man roster, was on the practice squad, and then moved to their practice squad IR list roughly a month ago. So it's it's more of a footnote, but did want to pass that along. But that was certainly not the only cornerback news of the day. Uh, later Tuesday night, according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, the Steelers plan to release cornerback Desmond King or try to trade him much more likely seems to be a release path for him. That was actually kind of first hinted at by King on Twitter last night when he tweeted out, well, on to the next one. And you're never quite sure what tweets mean, but that one obviously had a Steelers connection and uh, and tie there. So Desmond King, not official yet of as of uh, Wednesday morning, but I assume that's going to happen here pretty soon. So Desmond King, one defensive snap, a couple of kick returns, and that was it. So surprising to see how this one went with Desmond King. Yeah, this one uh, went south kind of in a hurry. The thing is, from the moment he put that out on Twitter, it wasn't even an hour later, was it, <laughs> before mm-hmm. uh, Tom P- 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 Pelissero had the uh, had the initial news on that. Uh, look, I mean, they, they, they obviously 
struggled to try to get him on the field much of any. I had the one defensive snap against the uh, the Ravens, and that ended up being the touchdown run uh, by uh, who's the running back over there that scored on that play? Justice Hill. Yeah, Justice Hill uh, on that play, and looked like there was a little miscommunication uh, even between I think Mika and 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 King prior to that play. Uh, but uh, regardless, that ended up in the end zone. One snap. Uh, one touchdown for the offense, uh, and you know, obviously, not not too much to talk about as far as the special teams aspect goes. Alex, I almost wonder if this was a case of uh, Desmond King saying, "Look, are you are you going to be able to find a spot for me?" And if not, I, I really would like an opportunity to maybe play 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 elsewhere. Uh, uh, you know, with, with another team. Do you? It's it's kind of rare. To, to, to see see the team have an instance like this with a veteran player that they sign, you know, uh, unless there is some sort of talk about, hey, can, can you get me out of here uh, kind of thing here. Uh, what kind of credence would you or what kind of possibility would you lend to the fact that King said, man, I really would like a chance to play somewhere else? It's possible. It's obviously hard to say. Assuming he gets signed somewhere else and interviewed down the road, then maybe we'll get a bit of the backstory to it. Um, obviously, he wasn't playing, and that's probably partly the Steelers just didn't like whatever they saw in practice. And obviously, the limited opportunities he had didn't suggest that this guy should be playing more. Although, again, we're literally talking one defensive snap and a couple of kick returns, so it's really not much to judge overall. Uh, I just thought there might be an opportunity there in Pittsburgh, given that the slot corner position was not super strong, that the run defense had struggled. I'm not, you know, I, I said on Twitter last night, you know, I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over this. You know, sometimes you, you take a chance on a veteran guy and the way that it, it, you thought he might look isn't the way it looks whenever he gets to you. So this stuff does happen from time to time. But I just thought, you know, given that Shane and Sullivan is not lighting up the world and just given some of the specific struggles Pittsburgh's having, there would have been at least an opportunity for King to play something significant in at least one game to get a better view of what he could do. But clearly something in practice was telling this team not to give him that chance. Yeah. And then, you know, it starts off obviously with the, you know, you got a little built in excuse of trying to catch the moving train and, you know, as Mike Tom likes to say and all, 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 all that kind of stuff there. But, uh, uh, I mean, he just, he, he never could crack it. And for a team that's not, you know, that, that could use obviously some slot help. Look, you go back a couple of weeks ago on, on Instagram. He, uh, uh, not that you want to read too much into this stuff. You know, he says he, he released some sort of picture. You know, can't wait until it's my turn or something like that. Uh, I, I'd bet dollars to donuts that he's, he's, he's just got tired of waiting and, uh, probably went to them and said, look, if, you know, if, if, if it's going to continue on me, uh, not having a good chance to get on the field, I'd much rather try to see if I can uh, play somewhere else. The, the I, question, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the way uh, that 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 it turns out here. The question is, what was preventing King from seeing the field? Because it didn't feel like the Steelers secondary, especially at slot corners, was providing so much value that King couldn't crack it. Obviously, this practice things and you know in classroom type things that we can't see. But what do you think the barrier was to King? only seeing one defensive snap. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could tell. I wish I could give you a good answer other than just uh, maybe they they weren't liking what they were seeing from a athletic physical standpoint or 
you know, him, him actually catching on to things, you know, I, I, uh, we'll, 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 we'll have to guess about that for, for <laughs> the remainder of time, unless <laughs> something, uh, comes out about it. I, mean, I, I don't have the answer on it. And obviously we don't have, uh, in any, any tape to discuss either your know, one defensive snap. And we're not, right. not at practice to see any of that, uh, either. So, uh, once again, you know, knowing the limited amount of information that we have, and it's super limited at this point. Uh, I, I would, my best bet is he just, he's, he's, he's gotten tired of waiting. Sure. That makes sense overall. Um, so what does this mean going forward? We'll talk about the Darius rush sign, uh, signing here in a moment, although he's really more of an outside guy than a slot guy. So I assume it'll be fairly status quo in terms of slot snaps, Chandon Sullivan. You know, I, I wrote on Twitter last night that, you know, ideally for me, I think Patrick Peterson plays more in the slot to allow Joey Porter Jr. more more snaps at, at left corner, not just in dime packages. Uh, we'll see overall, but I don't want to assume that this release of King means that's going to happen because King wasn't playing at all to begin with, and Peterson was only seeing you know dime package slot snaps. So uh, the the division of labor at slot quarter may be the same and maybe different out of the bye. One of the things we'll be watching for in this Rams game. I mean, it's not a bad stab. Uh, what you just said uh, at it, you know, you you could potentially see this thing going this way. Because look, uh, and we'll, once again, we'll get into Darius Rush here in a minute and that news and all. I mean, he's 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 an outside uh, corner. He's not a slot guy. So that's mm-hmm. you know, unless you started to go down that path. But even if you did, you're talking uh, uh, you know a long ways away. Uh, uh, potentially for him there. So, uh, you know, with, 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 with us thinking that Joey Porter Jr. or hoping that Joey Porter Jr. will, will start getting more and more snaps on the outside. Uh, it, it's, it's not unthinkable to think that Peterson could dip inside and obviously doing that, you would need less, one less person potentially on the depth chart uh, when, when, when it, when it comes to that. So, I mean, that, that's as good a stab at it. Uh, as, as anything, when it comes to kind of the trickle down or the or the the trickle up or right, you know, how, however you want impact of of uh, this roster move uh, specifically there. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's the way to go here. It is, you know, interesting the slot position overall. They've had some options that they really haven't used with King Elijah Riley. We thought in the in camp was going to be one of those options. He's not taken a, a snap at slot corner this year. They've just had Sullivan and Peterson. And when I talk about moving Peterson inside, I know there's some downsides to that, but I, I advocate for that because a, I do want to see Porter play some more. That's kind of the big reason behind it. Um, you know, to the fact that Peterson's lost some of that speed on the outside will be mitigated in the slot. And I think he's got the savviness and kind of the IQ to, to play inside. And then Shannon Sullivan has not been terrible, but he's just, you know, what does he do well? What value is he offering you? And at the expense of Joey Porter losing playing time, not having playing time, I just think this all makes more sense to to do that with Peterson. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly agree with that. And, and we'll say, look, this, uh, how, how nice would it be <laughs> to have Cam Sutton about right now? And what is this? What do do people have short memories about us and Cam Sutton? Uh, I'm not sure. What are they saying about uh, us know, and Cam uh, Sutton? There's like one or two people on Twitter claiming that we ran Cam Sutton off. Oh, we we didn't do that, even if we were trying to. And I don't think either of us were, were attempting to do that. I, I said, you know, I was not high on the Peterson signing whenever they made it. I, I had some reservations about it, and I've consistently said I think Omar Khan's biggest mistake of free agency, which what I thought was good overall 
was letting Cam Sutton walk to Detroit over a couple million dollars uh, that apparently this team was unwilling to pay him. If there was any uh, 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 discussion about Cam Sutton that might have been negative, it was how much is too much. Yeah, I know I did talk about the balance between paying a guy a bunch of money and then drafting a corner and not, but I still was somebody that you know really appreciated you Sutton's You could have done play. both. Yeah, I mean, nothing prevented you from doing both. They maybe, ended uh, up doing both, signing Peterson and, and drafting mm-hmm. Joey Porter Jr. Right, um, and maybe I was wrong in that calculation back back then to, to think that you couldn't do that, but regardless, the situation is where Pittsburgh's at right now, and we'll see how they play this new hand against the Rams. Look, uh, you know, if you got up there in that $18, 19000000 million per range or whatnot where uh, that that – you know, some people thought Mike could go as far as a market value on Cam Sutton, but for what Cam Sutton ended up signing for uh, with the Lions, the Steelers could have easily done that. Sure, and the reporting was that Pittsburgh never even offered that. And how much more did Sutton get than what they gave Peterson? I think $3 million more per year. Didn't Sutton sign for $11 million per year and Peterson, see at eight? What's the number on Peterson? Uh, that seven sounds about right. Uh, I'll double check here. Yeah, but it, you know, it's a couple million dollars more. It's a, it's a longer contract. Obviously, Sutton got three years. Peterson got two. I forget the exact you know guarantees and signing bonuses. There's more to contracts than just average yearly value, of course. But point is, Pittsburgh certainly could have done it, um, and there wasn't a giant gap between what Sutton got versus what Pittsburgh gave Peterson. Yeah, Peterson was uh, seven million per right, two million. Okay. I mean, uh, two year, uh, fourteen million dollar uh, deal, and. The Sutton deal was pull that up real I think eleven million. I'm pretty sure three years, thirty three. Uh, three say. year, thirty three million. Uh, twenty two and a half million is guaranteed, including a ten point nine million dollars signing bonus. Uh, with that, uh, you know, I I think one of the things in there that that the Steelers probably definitely uh weren't going to do is the guaranteed salary. Uh, this is something that this team's really got to start looking. Oh, boy, you, here we go down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> Hold on here on a Wednesday. Uh, this team really needs to start looking hard and heavy about retention or retention of kind of those not top of market free agents or the outside additions of middling, not non top of the market free agents. They're going to start really have to think uh, looking hard and close about uh, guarantee portions of second years of deals, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, they only recently started budging on that with what the T.J. Watt contract. Right, with the Minka and the T.J. Watt contract, and only because mm-hmm. they, they they now use the crux of, well, that's a top of the top of the mark, top of the, you know, he mm-hmm. the top top position uh, in, in the league. And that's how right. we justify it uh, there. Now, obviously, not every player that you're going to re-sign or bring in from the outside is going to fit that criteria. But that's the way they—that's the way they've slowly got it gotten into this market, right? It used to be quarterbacks only, right. uh, and TJ <laughs> TJ Watt got them to you know, and, and they really had no choice. Uh, uh, TJ Watt got them off that mark, and then once T uh, TJ Watt got them off that mark. 
Uh, obviously, Mika Fitzpatrick was able to 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 to, to move them off the mark as well too. Uh, now, Alex Highsmith, I don't think was able to you know obviously uh, get them off that mark there, but uh, uh, they are going to have to this this. That's a long way of saying that they could have they could have retained Cameron Sutton. Mm-hmm. But he's the lion, and Peterson's a stealer, and we got to focus on on what they have right now. So we'll see if things change. Um, we can talk a bit later about Mike Tomlin's comments about the rookie class and some of the frustration that I'm seeing about the slow playing of the rookies and not committing to him, not committing to Broderick Jones. We'll talk about that more later in the show. But I think that kind of wraps up our thoughts. Any any final takeaways on the very limited Desmond King experience. Nah, we, I mean, all we can do is kind of speculate on that. Maybe more will come out uh, after the wash. I wouldn't imagine he's going to be on the market very long. Um, can you find a team to give you a, to do one of those sixth and seventh round mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of swaps with him? Is there a team out there that, that will give you th- their six for your seventh uh, to get him on, uh, on that? Well, shoot, the Eagles would have made sense. I thought, you know, they, they just signed yeah. Josiah Scott, but the Eagles dealing with injuries, Roby's hurt, and Devontae Maddox has been out for the year since September. So that would have been a fit. Could you still try to do something? <laughs> Maybe, but in all likelihood, one of these situations, players end up getting cut. Uh, if, you, if teams know that you're about to cut them and you're just trying right. to trade them in a in a last second desperation heave. All right. Uh, how about the uh, uh, the incoming there? Yeah, for those upset about Desmond King, which is fair, but I think a lot of people are going to be happy about this uh, pending move, and I assume this will be tied to Desmond King. The Steelers reportedly signing uh, cornerback Darius Rush off the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad, a rookie from South Carolina, fifth-round pick of the Indianapolis Colts, did not make their 53-man roster. Um, the, the Chiefs picked him up on their 53, then eventually, I believe, cut him and put him on their practice squad. So a guy that I was a big fan of coming out of college this year, a guy that Pittsburgh had a pre-draft uh, visit with uh, as they looked at you know, so many of these top cornerbacks in this class. And so he's an outside guy, as you said, not a slot guy, a rookie that has had already a pretty bumpy path in the NFL. But I think certainly somebody worth taking a flyer on. Yeah, if you're going to go down that path, I mean, from the athletic profile, everything that the Steelers look for when it comes to uh, uh, those long athletic uh uh, avatar kind of type cornerbacks, if you will. He certainly fits that uh, pre-draft visitor this past offseason. Uh, you guys got to see and talk to him, I think, at the uh, uh, at the Senior Bowl. Really uh, a kid that really came out, I think, uh, was it you or Ross or one, 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 uh, one of you guys uh, interviewed him? Jonathan, uh, maybe jo- Jonathan uh, Hightritter. And uh, he just really, I mean, enamored with, with, with Mike Tomlin, I think was the just of that uh, interview and all like that. So not, not surprising that they had uh, interest in him and then obviously circled back uh, to him. Uh, I think because of the, the, this, this cornerback class, you know, it, it, it made a guy like him slip down. Uh, what would what would he end up going? Fifth round to the Colts, I think. And mm-hmm. I think yep. several. I think a lot of people. Dane Brugler. I think uh, what Jeremiah. Uh, even you in in your draft profile. I think had him as like a second or third round uh, grade on him. And once again, I just think that the the uh, you know the the totality of the class probably uh, pushed him down a little bit there. But uh, fast forward into the uh, preseason with the Colts. Uh, disappointed that he only played 40 what did i say 42 49 
uh, defensive 42, snaps. I believe. 42 snaps in the preseason uh, with the Colts in just two games. I would imagine he had some sort of maybe a minor injury or something in that preseason finale. Uh, he did not play in that game for the Colts. Uh, most of those 42 snaps uh, came in the preseason opener. Uh, another 14 came in the second one against the Bears. There's not a lot of tape really to look at overall. Uh, especially when, you know, I think only half of those snaps were, were, uh, 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 pass defense snaps. He was only targeted three times. Uh, the first time was kind of on a wide receiver screen that kind of got busted up and the ball went up in the air. Uh, it landed in his, his hands and he went pick six on it. Welcome to the NFL, uh, moment looks everything looks like everything's going to go great for him in that game against the bills later in that game against the bills kind of the second target uh, on him really didn't show great technique or anything on kind of a, a seven route corner route if you will a uh, little touchy filly grabby and e even still the uh the receiver got loose for him uh from him for a touchdown uh on that uh fast forward to the game against the bears the second preseason game I mean, I, there's not much in there. I mean, e even run support or anything like that, uh, when it comes to that, the lone target he has in that game is a double move at the opposite corner corner position, and he bites hard on it and gives up a, a longish kind of a touchdown in that situation. So three preseason targets, one pick six, and two receptions for two touchdowns the other way. Feast and mm. famine. Uh, for sure. uh, when it comes to that. So after, and I went through both reels, it didn't, it doesn't take long to get through 42, <laughs> 42 defensive snaps, especially when there's not a lot of action your way there. Uh, I defer to you, Alex Kazora, because I think your, uh, college, uh, you did the draft profile, uh, on him coming out of South Carolina. I, I think that that evaluation still reigns supreme here. Well, let me just ask you really quickly with the Colts. Was he primarily right corner or left corner? Probably maybe some right corner. Was he playing both? Uh, was his, both, uh, usage? both. both. He gave the, the first game against the Bills, he was right. The second game against the Bears, he was left. Now, there was fewer snaps that he played against the Bears, 14, 14 okay. in total against the Bears. So whatever the math comes out to, 28 uh, on the right against the, uh, against the Colts and 14 on the left against the Bears. Gotcha. Yeah, my report of him, again, I was high on him. I know his teammate, Cam Smith, got more attention, but I thought this was a really good athlete, straight-line guy, former receiver, um, understood the position of how routes are run and where things break. I thought well overall, um, a good man coverage corner, better than his own type of guy, um, you know, just somebody that was smart, had special teams value, even, you know, running down punts to senior season, I thought. Uh, that was impressive overall, high effort type of guy with experience and, again, just some raw tools and traits and athleticism uh, athleticism to work with. Technically, thought needed some work, needed to be stronger in the run game, better tackler. I think the big thing on him, he had a ton of injuries at South Carolina, just kind of throughout his career, just never really consistently stayed healthy until really his final season and was kind of able to put things together. So it was surprising to see him fall to the fifth round. It was surprising to see him get released by the Colts. I believe he was one of the highest draft picks to be outright cut and not make the initial 53-man roster. And the Colts had a weird roster construction initially um, coming out of that 90-man cut down to 53. And obviously, he's bounced around since. So 
I don't know how much this guy's going to play early on. I'm certain to be inactive, assuming he's on the roster for Sunday's game. He may be inactive for, for a little while here as he kind of gets his feet well with a new team and uh, being a rookie overall. But there's um, hopefully some potential down the road with him. This is height, speed, uh, height, weight, speed uh, project. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a toolsy guy. He's got almost 33 inch arms. We know Pittsburgh likes their corners to be tall and long and athletic and can play man coverage. That's why they drafted Porter Jr. and Corey Trice. And hopefully he gets back for next year and in, in rush. So when you have, you know, Levi Wallace, a free agent to be some uncertainty with Patrick Peterson's future, James Pierre, a free agent after the season. You know, not that Rush is going to be your obviously your one to one replacement, but you want to have some corners there that can be on your offseason roster. And, you know, again, you go into the offseason next year of, of Porter and hopefully a healthy Trice and Rush. Those are some young, athletic, toolsy corners to try to begin building around. When you woke up yesterday morning, you didn't think you'd be talking about either one of those two, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, although, I mean, you know, I think Steeler fans are excited about Rush because he was a name that got mentioned so much during sure. cutdowns. Whenever he got cut, I got so many comments. Well, are they? It was basically two names. It was Desmond King. Can they go sign Desmond King? And can they go claim or get Darius Rush? And so I know the uh, there's a sting about King and it, it not working out in Pittsburgh, but hopefully that sting kind of gets soothed a bit by by rush coming in because those were the two top names that sealer fans were, were mentioning uh at that final cutdown date and once again they 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 had links to rush going back to in in the pre-draft process so it's not not shocking there and you know you talk about an all-star game kid uh you talk about you know the height weight speed i mean matches out all, all, you know all the ras scores and all like that the steers look for so it's not surprising uh when it comes to that look uh even if desmond king would have played out this year what are, what are what were probably the the odds of him sticking around past this year probably not great at least this gives you a guy to look at you know during the off season uh and 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 beyond uh here's the thing with him coming off the chiefs practice squad He's going to have to at least stay on 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 the Steelers 53 man roster for three weeks. So we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, hopefully longer than three weeks, of course. But um, at least the minimum or at least that spot has to be spoken for, which will mean he'll be on the roster for three weeks. So, again, I think don't expect this guy to contribute right away, though. I mean, just want to make sure right. that's clear. I thought he, I thought he was pretty raw coming out. And again, the injuries, I thought, probably stunted his development in college. This is a guy that could be inactive for many weeks here to begin his Steelers career. And once again, when we're talking about 42 defensive snaps and not even half of those are worth watching, to be honest with you, either runs away or passes away and that, and, and, and that kind of thing. I, 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 if there was one other quick minor observation uh, about, about him, he, he, do, he doesn't get in a hurry to get to the pile. <laughs> Is that in terms of, of like run defense or just general like all of it post post play? Um, yeah, I, I thought his run defense. What did I write my my report here? I said needs to be more active in the run game. Will flail a bit coming downhill and not come to balance as a tackler, prone to getting stuck on blocks. So that's all kind of in the vein of somebody that's not super active coming downhill and kind of cleaning some stuff up. Right. I I just. And, and once again, it, 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 it's not enough snaps to draw a hard conclusion. But the only other thing that really stuck out to me is he was not the first one to the pile, sure. any pile. 
And, and you had said earlier that he got beat on a double move for a touchdown. Is that yeah, what you had said? Yeah, okay. That, that's, that's, up on, that's up on the Twitter machine. Okay. That's in my report. I said, can stop beat against double moves and have to catch up. So okay. it kind of carries over right there. And uh, Chris Adamski from the Trib tweeting, just as we're, we're talking about it, Darius Rush has a locker in the Steelers facility. Expect a formal announcement on his signing soon, which I assume means uh, King's going to get to Heath here uh, pretty soon. So probably means no trade materialized and the move should be official by four o'clock today. All right. All right. So that's the cornerback shuffle. Well, let's, let, now- let, let, let's, let's do a byproduct of that real quick. Everybody's mm-hmm. upset. Why is King, you know, uh, uh, why not Gunnar Olszewski? And I, you know, I guess this kind of parlays into kind of the news on, on Deontay and Anthony McFarlane and, you know, looking forward and kind of hoping both those guys make it back off, uh, uh, IR on Saturday. Uh, all this, cornerback shuffling is is a cornerback shuffling it's a one from one move uh, on your 53 man roster there so come um come saturday uh obviously everybody's got their fingers crossed that both deontay johnson and and and, and anthony mcfarland uh will both be uh, uh activated from the reserve injured list and if indeed that's the case you still need to accommodate them with by uh, removing two two other players off your 53-man roster there. So if you're worried about Gunnar Olszewski at this point, I don't think he's in, in, entirely out of the woods. And in fact, my kind of theory on this, well, it, it might be right, it might be wrong, is they, that they, they want to hold on to Gunnar uh, through this week uh, a practice just to make sure Deontay can get through a full week of practice uh, with that hamstring of his. Uh, and additionally, because of return capabilities that, uh, uh, that, that that Gunner has, maybe some of that link to making sure Anthony McFarlane can get through this week as, as, as well, too, being as how, you know, he could potentially be your kick returner there. So uh, don't, don't give up your hope yet of the steers parting <laughs> ways with, uh, with, with, with Gunner Olszewski there. So uh, I, from where I sit right now, I, I think it's Gunner and 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 maybe that uh that other third string uh, uh running back, right? Yeah, Godwin. Godwin. Bless you. Right. So yeah, to, that, that's an important point because that was the other response I got was, why are they cutting King? Why are they not cutting Gunner? Let's see on Gunner. Uh, this right. team will make a move, assuming Johnson gets uh, activated off of IR to the fifty three. That'll come Saturday. Those things happen the day before games, and so they're going to have, like you said, have to, to to clear a spot for him. And if McFarlane uh, is active, then then I think Iguabuke is the, the the obvious name there to get replaced by uh, by McFarlane. So Johnson replacing Gunner. It, I mean that that makes a lot of sense to me. Right. I mean, who else on the? I mean, I guess. Man, they ain't going to do Rodney Williams bad, are they? <laughs> oh, I mean, Frymuth's coming. That's true. Frymuth's back. Williams. Ooh, that's oh. a good point, Dave. Yeah, but I mean, that guy, I, you look, I, I'm i putting that guy out there on special teams, man. I, I think yeah, he's going to dress all four tight ends. And you're healthy. I don't know if you're going to get all four I, tight ends ahead. I don't know. I would, I would seriously consider it, though. I think that guy's earned that. I think you got to reward that kind of stuff, man. Sure. I get that. that. I hadn't considered Williams. I hadn't realized that. So that's a fair point. We'll see. Just just stay tuned is my whole thing. Maybe Man. maybe Gunner stays. People can be mad, but let, let's give it till Saturday. Can you imagine this uh, this fan base if uh, if it's uh, Rodney if, if if Gunner survives and 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 poor Rodney Williams has got to clear <laughs> clear waivers? You know. Sure. 
Sure. But let's just hold your fire until this team makes the official moves and then we'll we'll come back and talk about it from there. All right, and, Dave. My... And and don't shoot at us. Yeah. <laughs> get get ready to duck here, Dave. All right, Mike Tomlin holding his Tuesday press conference coming out of the bye week. And from an injury standpoint, this team, I I know Mike Tomlin has said there's never been a a bye week he didn't like. And bye weeks are always coming at at good times. But for Pittsburgh, I thought week six was the perfect bye week from from uh, themselves standpoint. No, the AFC North round then went three, and oh, but from getting healthy, um, Tomlin basically, you know, talking about Deontay Johnson, McFarlane returning to practice. Pat Frymuth said he's going to play. The Marvin Leal's had a concussion protocol. Presley Harvin, the punter, should should be back in action in this one. Uh, James Daniels may return, et cetera. So overall, this team uh, much, much healthier for week seven than they were entering and exiting week number five. I think that's at least one of the main takeaways here uh, uh, from, from the press conference there. I think the other thing that we're obviously watching this week, and Mike Tomlin didn't shed a lot of light on it, uh, the, uh, the depth chart got the weekly depth chart comes out in the uh, pregame release. Uh, you, you can either you can either choose to read it or make a, a paper a paper airplane out of it. Uh, both probably uh, it might be more viable as a paper airplane. To be quite honest with you, uh, but it's something that we look for uh, every week. And that uh, depth chart uh, in that uh, pregame release showed that Dan Moore Jr. is still listed ahead of Broderick. Jones at left tackle. Uh, what does it mean? What does it mean? I don't know. I I, I think we're going to find. I, I think it's one of those things where we're just going to have to uh, wait and see. Uh, Mike Tomlin did not come right out and say who was going to be the starting left tackle. Uh, he 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 left open the door that it's on a case by case basis as far as a starter losing their job. Uh, when it comes to injury, uh, he did. He, in so many words, he didn't even guarantee that Dan Moore Jr. would be healthy enough. Uh, mm-hmm. Although he did look good, uh, he said during the uh, Monday bonus practice. So I think there's still uh, some question about whether or not Dan Moore Jr. will will be able to return from that knee injury come Sunday. Uh, all of what he had to say. On Tuesday, you ever watch? Uh, you grow up watching Charlie Brown, all, all the Charlie Brown uh, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and yeah, we're in that time of year. We're in a yeah. Charlie Brown season yeah. right now. Yeah, you know, Charlie Brown's parents. You know when they when they talk ah, on the phone. Wah, wah. Well, what, 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 what? You know that's that a lot of a lot of Mike Tomlin's press conference on Tuesday sounded like that to me. Uh, but from what little bit he did give us worth using, I'm going to speculate for you and speculate on something other than groins. Uh, I think there's a good shot that Roger Jones is your left tackle on Sunday against the Rams. I'm not sure where I'm at with this one. And I thought you were going to go with a Charlie Brown reference of Broderick Jones as Charlie Brown and Mike Tomlin's Lucy pulling the football back. And, mm. you know, just just a little, little tease there with the one start. Um, he, he Mike Tomlin was asked, essentially, if Dan Moore is healthy enough to play, will he start? And Tomlin said, quote, that's a big if we've got some work ahead of us. He'll be given an opportunity to show his progress over the course of the week. And we'll make that decision at the appropriate time. It doesn't behoove us to make hypothetical statements at the early portions of the week. 
He looked pretty good yesterday. We'll see where the week leads us. Uh, end quote. And Behoove was on the uh, five, of the day calendar. Five times Behoove. Yeah, for Mike Tomlin yesterday. So we don't know exactly how the reps went on Monday with between Moore and Jones. We know that Moore said he didn't get every single snap at left tackle. He was a bit limited, but he said he participated in, in every single uh, session that they had. So here's my thought on that. Assuming that's first team work, and because he was running second team, I think that would have come out by some reporter or by Moore himself. If Moore is getting at least a solid amount of first team reps, are they really going to go to Broderick Jones? who's not going to get all that kind of like if Jones is going to be your starter, he's got to get the, all those reps there as first team because he's he's the rookie making his would be second career start. So that tells me they're leaning Dan Moore right now. All right, I'm going the other way. Maybe it's just my uh, my hopeful uh, reading into it, what I want to read into it. Uh, so what you're saying is they're attempting to put the toothpaste back in. The they're trying to. Because, <laughs> I mean, if Jones was going to be your guy and you're going to give him half the starting snaps in practice, that's not putting a rookie in position to succeed. It was a bonus day, though. Uh, let's see. Maybe they just want to see how Dan moves. Uh, sure. I mean, I think today is going to be today. Today is today is going to be an important day. Now, look. Here's the thing: the media can't, even though probably some will. The media can't come right out and say who took all the snaps unless one of the players tells them they took all the snaps. Or, right. or but coach. they usually are right. able to figure out a way to get a player to talk about it or frame right. it and skirt right. the rule. Right. Uh, if you do want to put Broderick Jones in the best possible chance to succeed, he needs to take all the first team reps at left tackle. You're correct. A hundred percent. And I'm pretty confident in saying he did not do that Monday. Right. Now I'm willing to chalk that off. Uh, and once again, maybe it's me, me trying to find an easy out here. I'm willing to chalk that all uh, up for a bonus day. Uh, we want to see how Dan moves. Fair. And maybe you're right. And so I think you're right. Today is going to be important. But, but today, I, I have no out after today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Broderick Jones did just speak with the media and said he has not been told who the starting left tackle is. I think practice is, is not yet gotten underway. So we don't know how practice reps were divvied up on Wednesday, but something to watch for. And hopefully we'll have clarity come fr uh, Friday because, I, I mean, Moore's going to dress in this game. He's healthy enough to dress. It's a question of is he going to start or not? What is, I know I know what way you're going to answer this, but I have to ask anyway. What is the correct decision here? For me, Broderick Jones. Yeah, um, I, I think he's the guy. I thought he had a good start, and you know, I think it just that's the, he's going to be your starting left tackle at some point, and that's what he was drafted to become. And this is the time to do it. Barring something that we don't see, like understanding things in the playbook and assignments or, or, you know, stuff once again, that, 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 you know, uh, mental, uh, errors at practice or whatnot, you know, none of that stuff we can see and put our, put our, put our hands on, but barring anything of like that, he's got to be your starting left tackle in my opinion. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of frustration right now about, you know, people, oh, they, they're starting Dan Moore and you can't do that. Again, let's just wait and see. I, I'm leaning that I think Moore is going to be the starter, but I'll reserve judgment and not 
air those frustrations until we know for sure, because maybe Jones does become the guy. Tomlin has left that door open. He's not committed to, to either guy right now. So I'm not going to, you know, get my heart rate up over it until I actually see what the decision is. Same with Joey Porter Jr. on, on the defensive side of the football. So we'll see, but just based on, you know, Tomlin did say that's a big if about more, and that's right. that's how he started that answer. So if you're looking for something that makes you think Jones for Tomlin to to say that might crack that door open. Right. All right. Uh, what else did Mike Tomlin have to say that that caught your attention on Tuesday, Dave? He's not concerned about all. You know, he he's not concerned about your uh, past defense stats or anybody's past defense stats. Mike Obs- Tomlin obscure. Mike Tomlin, not a stats of the weird kind of guy. So I'm guessing oh. he's not reading those articles. Um, I, I didn't think yards allowed from receivers was obscure, but I guess <laughs> Tomlin disagrees. He's been some weird press conferences this year, right? Almost like a r- really super defensive. Um, Yeah, I, I thought that was his answer. More got so a, than normal defensive there. Sure. I mean, all right, well, we already know he don't like doing these things. I mean, uh, he usually fakes it a lot better with local. Uh, now, you look, you get him outside in, in some of these other, you know, interview sessions on podcasts and, and, and major media and Rich Eisen and, and, and uh, you know, it's, it, you know, he talks about how he's the same person all the time with, with the player, you know, or, or at least tries to be. You know the, the the same kind of person. You get him in a media set a, setting outside of Tuesday. He's he's different. You know, uh, I just it, it just came off as once again a not to me not one of his better press conferences yesterday. Not All as right. bad as the one a couple of weeks ago, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, he seems more perturbed at anything right now. You know what? It, 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 to me, it comes off as. He he knows he's got a lot of problems. He's not really sure how he's going to solve. To be honest with you, I thought it was interesting. He was asked, "What is the identity of this team, or do you have an identity?" And he said something to the effect of, "In some ways we do, in some ways we're evolving and trying to find that." So, you know, I think it's another frustration for this team to be where they were at a year ago at the bye. The record's better, obviously, much better, but still trying to figure out who they are and how they win. He's trying to defense this team to uh, to a playoff spot. I mean, that's kind of always been period, the way period. Pittsburgh has has been built with with Tomlin. He's a defensive I mean, he, guy. But he's defense really is trying stronger. to defense at this time because I'm not sure he. Uh, I don't see how you can have any any even even you know going back to last year and you know yes yeah, something's got a little bit better after the after the bye. Uh, but once again, was it one of those rich cracker situations where, I mean, anything's going to look better than, than, than what happened pre buy last year. Uh, they have, and, and look, I mean, you, you were, you, you've missed uh Fryermuth, You missed uh, Deontay Johnson since week one. And it, this is a captain obvious statement, but I think uh, Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth have been on the field together for all the 23 offensive snaps this season. Right, and Tomlin mentioned getting back a quote expert route runner like Deontay Johnson is going to be huge, and I, I've talked about how important that's going to be to take some of the attention off of George Pickens and hopefully create some easy wins in this offense, provided that Johnson is utilized the correct way and better than what he was last year. So, and then with Fryermuth, assuming he gets more involved, more I mean, th- there's certainly a lot of a lot of reasons to believe 
you know, the personnel for Pittsburgh will be better against the Rams. I mean, we have got to see this offense take some sort of step forward here, right? I mean, this, yeah, assuming sure. these guys come back from 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 the injuries. Sure, it has to be better. There has to be improvement. There is no. But, it, but is next excuse. week going to become this? Alex, this has got to be the week. <laughs> you know, we and look, we talked about this the other day with Deontay Johnson coming back. I mean, him merely coming back will help in some aspects. You would think that would take some pressure off off off, off of George Pickens. But if they don't use him right in the overall scheme and start, you know, let some of these guys run out in, 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 in space more, it's not going to matter in, in, in the grant. It's just going to be, you know, better looking chairs on a Titanic. Sure. I mean, they have to utilize him correctly. We'll see. We have not really been able to evaluate that. The guy played two and a half quarters in week one before hurting his hamstring. So again, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that. All right. Uh, what, 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 you know, what else about Tomlin's presser? Interesting question about Kenny Pickett acknowledging the clutch plays that he made last year, the clutch plays he made against Baltimore, the game winning drive. And the question was essentially, how do you try to make that happen for the first three quarters? And Tomlin really kind of sidestepped that part of it, but just talked about, you know, the, the weighty moments bringing out the best in Kenny Pickett and rising to the occasion, which I think is true, but the question still hangs and remains. How do you get this picket and this offense in, in, in totality to look better until you know, before there's five minutes left in the game and you got to have it. I mean, that, that, that's an issue this offense has had for a couple seasons now. I'd rather not see his him put in a position where he has to put on his clutch jeans. <laughs> right. I mean, it's good to have. It's really important. But, you know, you want to be able to to try to win a game, you know, comfortably or play with a lead for once, something this team does not do. Right. Uh, agreed. Look, I mean, we never doubted from the moment he, or not too long after he was drafted, that the guy's very mature and and no moments too big for him, and 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 yada yada. Uh, uh, I, I I don't think he blinks. Uh, in 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 you know most situations here, that's that that wasn't the the main target of the question though, that he was right. asked, and he did not really address that part. Although, I mean. How do you answer that? How do you get Kenny Pickett to be better in the first three quarters? There's no, there's no mystical, magical answer to right. do that. You just I would execute. just come out and say that I, I wouldn't try to deflect it though, like he did. I would just come out and say, well, "Look, we're, 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 you know, that's one of the things we tried to look at during the bye week." Right. And speaking of that, Tomlin said, "Dave, are your are your assur- assurances rested? Because rest assured, Mike Tomlin says this team did their due diligence during the bye to look at the offense and try to correct some things." what that means, what that looks like, who knows, will they repeat their post by week success of last year? Again, we'll see on that, but Mike Tomlin using the bye week to self-scout and dive into the negativity of their offense. Yeah, he said, uh, fine tooth comb. I hope they had a big comb. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, uh, you, you know, my answer to that is, uh, don't tell me about the labor pains, just show me the baby. Right. That's all you can do. It's a results-oriented business. I do have a, a video on the site this morning. The Steelers must remove this play from their playbook. We talk about some of those plays that just don't work, the beat-your-head-against-the-wall type moments. Pittsburgh has run this one particular inside zone run paired with jet motion five times this year. It's been a failure literally all five times. One of those I'm ripping out of the playbook, Dave. All right. Fair enough. And uh, I we, we talked uh, last podcast or two ago about 
you know, maybe mix in a couple of these, you know, perimeter runs and, 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 and things along those nature, you know, maybe an extra toss, maybe an extra jet sweep, maybe, uh, uh, you know, an outside, you know, mix in a little bit more outside zone, or here's something real creative. How about trying to pull your guards a little bit more? Mm. I'd love him to be asked about that or, or Matt Canada to be asked about that, about why is that not being used really at all in Pittsburgh? Right. So, uh, We'll we'll see as far as that goes, but he is rest assured, Alex, that uh, mm-hmm. they 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 went through everything and did a lot of self scouting. Hopefully, that self scouting ends up with maybe a I don't know maybe three or four dropbacks. Can you get at least fit in three or four dropbacks from under center? You know, <laughs> uh, they would they would shock the the living you know what out of out of out of opposing defenses if they, if they, if, they, if they did that. Uh, I would like to maybe see Canada try to make everything look more the same if he's going to continue running the, the the same concepts you know what i'm saying at least sure. have your have your seven seven different concepts come out of the the same look so at least they're guessing when it comes to that that's what good offenses and good coordinators do that's what the dolphins do the 49ers do the whole shanahan tree should mention also another uh, film room breakdown this morning since you mentioned the toss plays. Uh, Pittsburgh Zorro toss. They've taken oh. the play out of the Shanahan, McDaniel, 49ers, Dolphins playbook of this fast motion toss play. Um, using it a couple times against Baltimore. So breaking down on the site this morning, what that looks like and how it's schemed up. Okay. All right, Dave, uh, I want to mention here Kevin Dotson. We had an article earlier this week, uh, quoting to PFF, and I know grades can be subjective and we don't lean on them too often, but considering that I'm sure you and I are not watching Kevin Dotson snap by snap until this week you know, came around, he is the NFL's second best guard in his three starts he's had this season. Began the season as a backup, uh, entered the, the starting lineup the past three games, and has, by all accounts, done really well. Do you have any particular takeaway from that i know again we're not watching him as closely as we're watching the steelers but dotson seemingly finding a ton of of success out there in la i've made it through the first three quarters of the rams versus cardinals tape and it did not look awful at all (laughs) in all phases is there anything that you can attribute that to because obviously it did not seem to look that good in pittsburgh we talked about this a little bit the other day. I, th- I think it's more along the lines of letting him play and, and him back at uh, right guard where he played uh, uh, predominantly in or really all, all he played at, at, at college there. Uh, it, it doesn't look like he's having to think as much there, really, o- overall. I mean, you, look, there, we, have ha- we have had some great clips here and there of him in pass protection and keeping that wide base and, and being physical and – and almost like a dancing bear. And I think once you get into some of this tape on him uh, uh, in his time with the Rams, I think you're going to see some of that as well, too. And uh, they're, they didn't they didn't have a concerted effort of running much of any in the first half against uh, the game against the Cardinals. But I think even McVay came out and said, and I think players did, too, that they came out in that second half and said, we're going to run the ball. Uh, and that's when their running game really came alive uh, in, in, in the second half of that game. And although not all the runs obviously came, came to dots. I long story short in, in what I've seen of, of, of the all 22 on him uh, overall, he looked, he looked, he looked pretty damn good. 
yeah, no, that was my my impression as well. And I think it's a combination of factors. I think maybe, as you said, going back to right guard certainly isn't going to hurt. And that's his more, quote unquote, natural spot. Um, I think the, the scheme fit, I mentioned that religiously with Kevin Dotson. He did not fit well with Pat Meyer's system. And it probably was was too much on his plate for for his style. And it is a contract year for him. And that can, can certainly be a motivator as well. He knows how important this year he is. I think he's even acknowledged that after getting traded over from the Rams. And if he has a big year, he can get paid this offseason. And he's on his way to, to doing that. Uh, you know, one thing I forgot to look, uh, does he have any penalties? How many penalties does no he No penalties have? against Kevin Dotson. This oh. year. Three starts. It's not been a ton of snaps, right. but considering the penalty machine he was last year, it's a big improvement. Right. That's something else that makes you wonder if he's not having to think as much. Yeah. Now, I, I know he got tagged a couple times to those right. ineligible man downfields, which sure. really aren't on the lineman, but there was enough of the other stuff, all starts and holding calls that uh, certainly, you know, were not external factors. Well, going uh, I, I, while I got it pulled up here, uh, let's see. Last season, false start, holding, ineligible downfield, unnecessary roughness, false start, offensive holding, offensive holding, ineligible downfield, false start, false start, offensive holding, ineligible downfield. Those were his penalties last year. Right. And right now, perfectly clean for this Rams team. This offense, it looks pretty good, and we'll talk about them more Friday, but just watching their tape on offense last night, Dave Cooper cup returns and they feed him the ball every chance they get. And so Tomlin also talking about trying to stop Cooper cup going to be the number one challenge in this game, at least yeah, offensively. And he doesn't, uh, 2019 was too long ago for him to think about when they did such a good job on him. And look, you're not going to, sh- the, the odds of you shutting the guy like Cooper cup out, uh, two games in a row, what you don't want to happen. I, I think the onus on this game I had to go back and look at, uh, the Rams when he plays and if you keep him under, you know, uh, what's their kind of win probability if you hold him like <laughs> under under 80 yards or 75, what, whatever the, 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 the line in the sand is on that. You just want to limit that guy from making big plays. And there was uh, uh, a, a, at least one time in this game against the Cardinals that he got uh, free down the field. He's moving for a guy that had the injury that he's had. He looks he looks back. And yeah. uh, it uh, I, I, from a health standpoint, he looks like the same old Cooper Cup and they are going to uh, try to move him. You know, one of the things I think stuck out and I don't know how much you've watched either. I mean, they, they move him around quite a bit in that offense mm-hmm. as well, too. Uh, and they are going to scheme specific targets for him in this game, both inner intermediate. He's got a great ability after the catch and they're going to both, you know, scheme, uh, 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 shot plays for him as well, too. Yeah. Um, they're He's going to be the primary read and basically every single play, especially third down red zone that Cardinals catch you're talking about. That was, you know, a moment where he's the backside receiver. Typically he's the slot receiver, number two, number three, but in that situation it's three by one, he's backside. They get a one V one look and Stafford throws it up and, and cup, comes down with it that was the first player their two minute drive and so they took a shot there so they they do a really good job of scheming those guys up and the coup is playing well and you know got a veteran quarterback and Stafford able to, to read and decipher coverages so it's still going to be a a big time challenge for Pittsburgh yeah now they uh, are missing now we know for sure they're going to be missing their top two backs uh in in in, in carry on Williams and who's the other one Rivers yeah, Ronnie Rivers. So it's going to be the rookie, Zach Evans, and then the mixture of the veterans, Royce Freeman, and they just signed Miles Gaskin off the Vikings practice squad. Right. So uh, they will be a little bit handicapped in 
in that aspect when it comes to the running game, which, you know, uh, came alive in the second half of that game against the Cardinals. Yeah, Williams had a, a big day, so that's going to be an important thing because that backfield is going to look totally different this week compared to, to last week. One other side note here that's uh, related to Pittsburgh in a, in a down-the-road sense, and we've written about it for the site and mentioned it a couple times, but according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Colts quarterback, their rookie Anthony Richardson is scheduling season-ending sh- uh, shoulder surgery to fix his AC joint injury, and so that basically confirms that Richardson will not play against Pittsburgh later this season uh, when Steelers face the Colts. Right. That's so, a shame. Yeah. Uh, talented player. The injury is already mounting for Richardson. Anything else here, Dave, that I'm missing that uh, we did not talk about today? Uh, was there anything else in Tomlin? We're, we're not really. Day? Overall, I think that's kind of the majority of it. TJ Watt did speak with uh, Dan Patrick, said he's going to appeal his fine for removing his helmet at the end of the game against Baltimore. Good, good he's luck not with winning that. that. Yeah, he's <laughs> not winning that. He can appeal it all he wants. Um, not going to not going to win that in my mind. And as far as the punch, too, he's probably not going to win that one either. If indeed he didn't come right out and say, I, I would think that it's probably standard procedure for these guys to appeal everything. Yeah, for, I mean, for the most part. No really cost to the player. He's got his team that does that, his agency that, that handles that. So it's worth a shot. Worst they do is tell you no when you're paying what you're paying. Um, if you appeal though, do you do you get that? I know that I know the the fine comes out of your check, but if you appeal, do they wait to take it out of your check? Or if you win the appeal, do they reimburse you? I just wonder how the NFL. I I think he I works. think Watt even said it 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 already comes out of your check automatically. So right. even. You don't even have time to appeal it. I, it's already out by the time you decide to appeal. I, I guess is how that works. Right. I think that's uh, you have been deducted this amount. You are welcome to appeal, and uh, if it, you know, comes, uh, I wonder if they pay you pay you interest back on that money. <laughs> I'm guessing they don't. I'm guessing NFL does not do that. But yeah, uh, I do wonder. So if you win the appeal, like Quan Alexander won his appeal in the preseason, he gets that check from the NFL. I guess I would. Probably added back into a check later on down the line at some point, I would okay. imagine. All right. Uh, there you go. Uh, anything else here, Dave? I think we've covered uh, all of our bases. All right. If you believe so, then we have. All right. Let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Sim football critic Joey Porter Jr. starting now. Question mark. What's up, guys? Definitely want to hear your take on this. Of course, by the time you read this, may have already addressed it, but here it goes. What did Desmond King not show uh, the Steelers to remain on a team? If I recall correctly, King didn't play many defensive snaps, and if he did, it was less than five. So what was the evaluation? Does this mean we'll see uh, JPJ starting on the outside with Pat Pete moved to the nickel spot when they go sub package? And what do they like so much about Chandler? Sim, I mean, we've already hit on, I mean, there's no sense to kind of rehash I mean, we had a conversation about him, and it's one defensive snap that he played uh, so far, so there's not much to evaluate there. Uh, all, all we can do is speculate at this time that maybe maybe Desmond King said, look, if you're not going to play me, let me out of here. We don't know. Maybe that will come out in the wash in a little bit. Uh, I think uh, Alex's speculation and and. Right, came right after the, the King move too. Is maybe this is a sign that we'll see more Joey Porter Jr. on the outside and partic- p- potentially Patrick uh, Peterson uh, inside. Uh, I still would bet dollars to donuts that Joey Porter Jr. does not start this particular week 
but maybe we'll, we see him in the 30, 30-ish snap range or something along those lines uh, in there. And uh, at at some point in the next couple of weeks, Joey Porter Jr. is going to be on the field starting. I don't want to say. has to be. I hope so. But this team, if they don't do it this week, then what is going to be the impetus to, to do that besides injury? I don't want to say the King release is necessarily a sign. It's my hope that Peterson will play inside more, but just because King is released doesn't mean they have to change anything. They can just keep doing what they're doing with Sullivan and Peterson. And, and, you know, King is not uh, really involved in that equation. If King was playing a bunch of snaps and they release him, then that, that changes things, but obviously he wasn't. So we'll see. But my hope is that Peterson will play inside a more nickel situations that will give Porter more snaps uh, than just dime packages because if Porter's not going to start, and he's going to play more than he has to play a nickel. And that means Peterson and Wallace have to go somewhere, which could mean that they flip Peterson to the right side or, or don't play Peterson or move Peterson to the slot. Something's got to give there. So that's what I'll be watching for. Uh, Bryce wants to know, coming off the bye, could you see Kenny taking more initiative to go rogue, if you will, and start changing more of the Canada's uh, calls to get the offense into better situations. I could definitely see a world where Kenny just says, screw it and take more of the onus to change plays and, and live with the consequences. Your thoughts. Uh, I think it's, you, you, you want my thoughts. I think it's a pretty out outlandish statement. I, I don't think there's been really any, any, uh, you know, uh, changing a, changing a, uh, making a, a slide protection, uh, and making sure your wide receiver knows it's a cover zero situation is not my thoughts of a quarterback going rogue. No, and that was all practice. Those are things that they actually work on during the week and apply to game day. So it's not going rogue. It's working within the structure of what you're taught in, in practice. Um, I, I don't know what freedom exactly Pickett does and doesn't have right now. I would not expect him to go rogue. So I, I would say no to that. To, to what degree will he, does he change the play? And what degree could he change the play more? Those things are hard for me to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think, you know, the, using the term kind of going rogue, I, I, I don't see where all that's coming from. And especially if it's just off of that one play uh, to, uh, to George Pickens there. Second part of this he has is giving this some thought. Uh, and do you think it would be smart? For the Steelers to start using more 20 personnel pony with Jalen and McFarlane uh, as the motion men can still run downhill. Uh, wait, Jalen and McFarlane as the motion men can still run downhill with Najee, use play action, have the threat of those jet sweeps uh, Canada loves. And I, you know, we talk about jet sweeps Canada loves. They've run two jet sweeps this year. Yeah, I mean, they ran him a bunch more last year. I think we'll see if they use him more with, with Deontay back. Maybe that opens up Calvin more often. Do you view, uh, what did we say it was, 33 or 34 Jets? I mean, that's an average of, of, of less, or let's less, less, less even say it was two a game. Do you view two Jet sweeps a game as a lot? Well, I think it was more Jets than any other NFL team last year, if my memory serves. So, relatively speaking, it's a lot. Um but I think to the to the question, we saw some pony against Baltimore, and I think Warren got a, a jet run off of that, and it got a decent gain. So maybe that's something they looked at to sprinkle in more. I mean, when you have Frymuth back, it may limit that personnel grouping a little bit because you want Pat out there, and Washington might be out there some. So I think we'll see it occasionally, but not not too often. Right. I mean, w- define more. I guess at least once a game, uh, because we were, we didn't see it at all until I believe this Ravens game. 
Uh, okay. I, this got me thinking. I, I, I wanted to address this at some point today. I just uh, just came back in my mind again. What do you think about A, the scoring? You know, there wasn't a lot of you know scoring th- this past week was noticeable uh, across the league as being low. All right. Uh, and it has been really, I think, uh, for, for the season. A, what do you think about the scoring being down around the league? And I think that it, it kind of was last year as well, too, wasn't it? Uh, what do you think about that? And do you get the feel now when you watch these games overall that it feels like it's it's like every third snap now becomes an extended play situation for a quarterback? I hadn't thought about the latter too much. Um, I really hadn't thought about, I guess, either component that much. I, I think I have two thoughts on that. Yeah, team, scoring's down a bit. Uh, this year, I believe teams are averaging 21.7 points per game. Last year was 21.9. Years before, we were looking at more like 23, 24 points per game. I, I would say two things that may contribute to that. A, teams using more too high shells, which cap big plays and limit big plays. I don't have the exact data on that, so I might be wrong about that, but I'm guessing there's been fewer explosive plays as teams are playing more too high. And then I just think, you know, secondly, some of these freaky pass rushers, I mean, how you know, each year it feels like there's just a draft class and emergence of just young, athletic, pass rushers, whether you're talking, you know, Micah Parsons or, you know, older guys, but, you know, Miles Garrett, of course, T.J. Watt. And when you have guys that can really get after the quarterback to produce those negative plays that, you know, scoring is going to going to be down. And I think just the D-line talent, the pass rush talent is better than the offensive line talent in the NFL. And that gives the defense uh, a clear advantage. Yeah, my thought uh, to 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 the more extended plays is it, it feels like the defensive the defensive front players coming into the league are higher quality and across the front in general, not just edge guys, but uh, just, you know, defensive linemen uh, in particular and their, their pass rush ability. It just feels like that the quality of that's been better than the offensive line talent coming out. I think that's a hundred percent true. I don't know if that applies to other areas. I don't know if the corners are better than the receivers. I think probably receivers have a more overall advantage than, than the corners coming out. But I think certainly, the D-line play is much better. Uh, the old, the NFL is always starved for quarterback play and offensive line play. Those are two right. things they never have enough of, and that's why those positions and those guys are so valuable. Uh, Richard Jamison writes in, uh, offensive coordinator responsibilities. I've heard you say that the Steelers' offense is too predictable and that they are uh, – uh, or use one play to rarely use one play to set up another play later in the game. Further, I've heard that the Steelers do not use play action effectively. Would all these problems be mitigated if their offensive coordinator were responsible for both the passing game and also the running game? Would it integrate the offense uh, more effectively? How do other teams divide responsibilities for passing game and run game? It would take a lot of diving to answer the second part part of that question. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Canada has a role and isn't unaware of the run game. I know in Pittsburgh, traditionally, it's been more offensive line coaches is the run game coordinator. De facto, even though it's not the official title, it varies team to team. There are certainly run game coordinators and pass game coordinators and teams that, you know, that really have those actual titles. Uh, play action rate is low in Pittsburgh. There's no disputing that. So it's not that it's ineffective, but it is uh, infrequently used. Right. Uh, would like to see more play action. And people say, you know, for, you know, I think the studies, we talk about this every seven podcasts, it seems like that, you know, 
play action can still work even if you don't have an effective running game. Now, the more effective your running game is, you know, obviously I think that helps it, but uh, you can still use it even though you're not running the football well. Sure. Just, you know, if you can sell it because linebackers read keys and they're reading low hat versus high hat, those types of things, if you can sell it, you can still be effective with play action, even if your run game is not particularly strong. Dustin Stover, how unthinkable would it be to have James Daniels take over for Cole at center and then have Dan Moore Jr. slide in at right guard? Uh, we know how Cole's play has been, and Herbig has not been overly impressive so far. He writes, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, look, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about, you know, it's just, it's just talk. I mean, uh, you know, about the potential of, of James Daniels taking over, uh, for Cole, if that could, of all the things that you just mentioned here, Dustin, the most believable thing that, that could probably happen would be James Daniels moving over to center, but I, you're not going to see Dan Moore jr. Uh, slide in at right guard. I wouldn't think, uh, and you know, to, to me, though, you know, Herbig has been this team's backup center. If you went, if you, the most likely thing, if Cole was to go down or for, for, for whatever reason, I would think that the most likely move would be Herbig taking over at center. And then you decide between, it would probably be, uh, what, Spencer Anderson, probably, right? At, at, at right guard. Yeah, or, I mean, Dylan Cook got some guard work late, and there's some call-ups. I mean, that's all, you know, we'll cross those bridges if, and hopefully we don't come to that. I mean, Moore is not going to go to right guard, not now. I mean, it's just that kind of in-season switch is just just not going to happen. I mean, I think Cole is going to remain the center for better or for worse. I don't think they're going to change up the O-line too much. I don't think they're going to, barring injuries, I I think, and uh, us us finally finding out if Broderick Jones is going to be your left tackle, I I think that's, that's the only thing you can look forward to. Yeah, that's the only debate in my mind, at least for this game, until injuries occur, that it's just a question of the starting left tackle. I mean, we could sit here and speculate to the cows come home if, if Daniels goes here and all like that. But, I mean, it, what 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 good is doing that unless it's it's forced by injury because it just it doesn't seem likely to happen? Yep, I'm with you, Dave. Uh, let's see. Paul Brown has a question about Tomlin Tuesday during the Tomlin Tuesday press conference. There was a question regarding Steelers giving up the eighth most pass pass yards to which Tomlin responded. I'm not worried about stats like that. If you're not worried about the amount of pass yards you're giving up and you're also not very good against run, what are you worried about? He says, is this a case of, uh, Tomlin not wanting to give up his full game plan or is he just being coy, uh, with me? I just think he's just bypassing the question. I mean, I, I, I think, I think Tomlin sees and knows about the warts. He's just not open to discussing those warts in detail. Yeah, I think you're right. I just don't think he wanted to address every single stat that that's out there negatively against the Steelers because there are lots of them. I did think he was a little too defensive answering that pretty simple basic question. Could just say, you know, secondary's got to play better. You know, we understand it's a passing league. You know, he could have said a bunch of things, but end of the day, you know, moving on from that. Right. All right. Uh, I think we got through to, through most of these emails here, and I think we're running up on an hour and a half here. Anything, any, any, any other things we need to get to here, Alex? Nope. I think we're good players talking now. I assume Kenny Pickett will speak later today and coordinators tomorrow. So we'll talk about that for Friday show. And I think Broderick Jones told him he still doesn't know if he'll start Sunday. He'll just keep working uh, on, on, on improving, which is the right answer to give 
at, at that point. All right, uh, we will be back on Friday getting people ready for Steelers versus Rams. We're still trying to effort a uh, beat writer uh, from, from, from the Rams. And that might be a little bit tough, but, uh, in the meantime, we'll dive deeper into the all 22 and, uh, you know, whether or not we have a beat writer or not on Friday, we'll still try to give you as good a look as we can about the Steelers next opponent on Sunday at SoFi stadium. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Gazora, follow the show at terrible podcast, email the show, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate Steelers Depot.com, find the donate button, uh, that way. Uh, or if you want an ad free version of the site, go to Steelers Depot.com, find the ad free button, follow the directions that way. So uh, good job, Alex. I appreciate it. Uh, we will talk again on Friday. So as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex. 